Hello and welcome to Dollars and Cents, presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for tuning in with us here to the 4 o'clock hour. If you're a 9 to 5 or 53 minutes, 28 seconds until you're at the finish line. I appreciate so much you hanging with us here. To get you to that point here on Dollars and Cents, presented by North Main Financial, where we're talking about all manner of subjects. We're talking on things economic. We're talking on things financial. And, and probably, hopefully, we're talking about things which are pertinent to you or to your family members, colleagues, those kinds of things you may have seen on the headlines and, and certainly which we hope will be helpful in making good and prudent financial decisions. But you know, as we're talking about things here on dollars and cents, that nothing that we're talking about here is intended as a specific recommendation for you. Meaning that even though we're talking on certain strategies, we're going to be talking on certain companies, especially we're, we're into earnings season. I know it's one of my favorite times. I get real excited about these kinds of things, especially when the earnings are coming out and people are paying attention to them. And, you know, there are things that are positive and the things that are negative and people are trying to read through the proverbial tea leaves to figure out what's going on. I enjoy it so much. But again, in remembering that, that nothing that we're talking about here is intended as a specific recommendation for you. Meaning that as, as we're talking about these things, we strongly, strongly recommend that you reach out to your tax advisor, to your financial advisor, or if you'd like to reach out to us, North Main Financial Group, love to chat with you. Love to hear about your particular financial situation to see if there are ways in which we might be able to be helpful to you. Online, you can find us at northmainfinancial.com. That's north like the direction, main like the street, financial.com, northmainfinancial.com. We have a contact page on there. Leave us an email address, a phone number. Let us know the most preferred and desirable ways for us to contact you again at northmainfinancial.com. On the other hand, if you'd like to call us here in the studio, can't promise you that we're going to get to your specific item or topic in today's uh, uh, in today's discussion, but we'd love to hear from you. 844-STUDIO-4, that's 844-788-3464 here in the studio. Producer Bill will get you. He'll, he'll, he'll handle it. He's wonderfully adept at these kinds of things. He'll be able to take your call, and even if I can't get to it because I'm not quick enough uh, relative to what, the, uh, what needs to be done here during today's show, I promise you we'll get to it in a future show. Happy to talk about the kinds of things that are on your mind and the things that you're seeing on your headlines. Good segue. What's hot? This is the what's hot segment. We're talking about you know, what, what what's hot. I'm not talking about temperature. I'm not talking about fashion. I'm talking about the kinds of things that you're probably seeing on your headlines. Those kinds of things that are, you know, you're watching your news programs, you're, you're reading the news. I know. I, I, I still do. You're watching the socials. I got the black and white right in front of me right here. I got I literally have the newsprint in front of me here, but I recognize that most folks are reading it online. They're reading it on their phones. They're reading it on their iPads, but we're talking about what's hot. Those kinds of things that may be on your headlines, those kinds of things may be on your radar screen. When it comes to all things that are economic and financial. Now we've had we've had a slew of economic data here, and I and I know I know slew is uh, is a relative term, but in my world, a lot going on. A lot of things happening, especially when we're talking about earnings season, especially when we're talking about those kinds of things, which which may be on. Your radar screen, our radar screen, in terms of what's most important. I'm going to start out. I'm going to start out with it with not a very pleasant one, but we have to talk about it. They're one of the the two largest uh, parcel carriers here in the U.S., and that has to do with UPS. So UPS came out with uh, with earnings here this past week. A lot of companies, by the way. This is this is not picking on UPS, and it's not me me talking in a negative light on them. This is what they offered up in terms of their quarterly earnings. So not very robust earnings, and what was even 
more challenging in terms of the quarterly report from UPS had to do with their look forward, their go forward kind of uh, outlook for what they saw ahead of them in terms of uh, delivery service. And it, it didn't look robust. Now, single, single uh, data point. So we don't want to get too carried away with what we saw in front of us here with UPS, or we don't want to get say, okay, well, this means that the whole economy is fill in the blank because that would be inappropriate. However, UPS, large player, you put UPS and FedEx in the mix, that's pretty much everybody outside of the postal service who's bringing something to your door. So they are very large players in terms of the mix of folks who are a part of the, let's call it the last mile end of the delivery service or economic structure in terms of delivery. Very, very important, very, very large. Again, not very robust in terms of the quarterly earnings, but here's what, what's most important here. 12,000, 12,000 expected layoffs from UPS. Now, there, there's a whole other segment of discussion here. We're going to be talking about it here a little bit later on in dollars and cents about the unemployment or employment picture, depending upon how you look at it, uh, about the unemployment picture here with 12,000 thousand layoffs expected from UPS. Now, UPS, very large company. So we don't want to get, again, too out of kilter in terms of understanding what this means from, uh, from an unemployment standpoint, but certainly one of the larger employers, certainly when we get into the seasonal aspect of things, talking about UPS. But, uh, but 12,000 layoffs expected here over the course of the next 90 to 180 days. Now, that's a big number. And that's why it's, it's, it's top on, on what's hot here, the what's hot segment of dollars and cents. We're talking about the kinds of things that, that are important to us economically, because does that mean that folks are slowing down in terms of their spending? You hear me talk about the consumer all the time. I know uh, producer Bill's sick of hearing me talk about it. I, I, I can see him over there rolling his eyes. He, he's too nice to roll his eyes. But, uh, but, I, but I'm almost rolling my eyes at this point because we're talking about where the consumer is. What is the consumer doing relative to our economy right now? And are they starting to slow down in terms of their purchases? Now, the fact that UPS is saying that things are slowing down doesn't necessarily mean that our economy is slowing down, but it is an important data point as we're seeking to understand where the consumer is and specifically what they see going forward. Does this mean that the consumer is a little bit tapped out? That the consumer is running out of ability to be able to purchase at the same growth rate that we've seen relative to our GDP growth rate here in the U.S. It may be. It's one of those data points that's that's sitting there. We're going to keep it on on the on the dot matrix, if you will. I know dot matrix. That's 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 a printer for all those of you who were born about forty five years ago. Uh, the, the, the dot matrix is very important. It really is. And I know we got digital means now, but dot matrix still means something to the rest of us here when we're looking at the kinds of data points in terms of determining where things are going to be. And so we're looking at that and we see that's that's something that's meaningful and important. I'm going to roll right into the next one here on What's Hot. So we, and this is earnings week. I know I get real excited on these kinds of things. Microsoft, Google, Google now called Alphabet or the parent company called Alphabet. So when you're looking at the uh, the reporting aspect of things, it's uh, it comes through as alphabet. Uh, let's call it good, but not perfect. And and I say that not because companies need to be perfect. Companies never are. I know that's that's a shocker. I mean, it has to be a shocker because sometimes when we're looking at the markets, companies are priced like they're going to be perform performing in perfection. And they don't. They never do. Companies are made of people, never going to be perfect, no matter what anybody thinks. But we sometimes price them that way in the short run. And that's what we're seeing here 
with companies like Microsoft and with Google. It was good, but not perfect. And they got, they got nicked. They got nicked from a performance standpoint. They got nicked from a pricing standpoint. And so there, there's some concern, especially because they're part of the so-called Magnificent Seven. Does that mean that, that things are slowing down? Maybe. Maybe it's the kind of thing that we need uh, to which we need to give attention. It certainly is the kind of thing because they have been priced to perfection that uh, that folks who are watching those kinds of things closely and expecting some kind of unnaturally good performance when it doesn't happen, you're going to see pullback. Alphabet, Google last week pulled back a little bit, pulled back a little bit, 7% in a given day popped up a little bit today. What does that mean in terms of ongoing? Well, you're going to have to hang around and find out. I appreciate so much you hanging with us here on Dollars and Cents, presented by North Main Financial. We're going to take a breather, be back for the second quarter here on WSIC. Dollars and Cents, with your host, certified financial planner Joshua Doby, continues straight ahead on 1059 100.7 WSIC. Dollars and Cents continues now. Here's your host, certified financial planner Joshua Doby on 1059 100.7 WSIC. Hello and welcome back to Dollars and Cents, presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for hanging with us into the second quarter of today's show. Football reference, we're in an off week. All right. So if you're a football guy, I'm, I'm a football guy. If you're a football guy or gal, it, and you are expecting to have uh, a football experience this coming weekend, unfortunately, you're going to have to wait. It's, I mean, that's part of it, right? That's the hype. Right, I mean, this is it's part of the experience, right, producer? That's Bill? it. Okay, let so, the storylines develop. Oh my gosh, and, and, and there are some storylines out there, right? Indeed. So, so I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I'm whatever is the opposite of a pop culture person. <laughs> I that that's probably there does where seem I'm, to be one hogging most of the storyline. And he's and, not even playing. I mean, I'm. <laughs> So, so I'm not even going to mention the names of the folks who are involved in the uh, in the pop culture lines of things. Although, probably if I did, it just relative to AI and 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 the world of the internet, and probably Amazon, Apple, and everybody else who's listening to my conversation and and logging that and going to be sending me commercial advertisements here over the next couple of hours, I probably should mention her name, his name. I mean, in order to be able to maximize my exposure, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, and I know I know Baltimore's no longer in it. Yeah, it's a heartbreaker. That is. That's a little yeah. bit of a that's a little bit of a tough one. But almost baseball season, I guess. Oh, yeah, it, it is almost <laughs> baseball season. I mean, I mean, we're gonna have catchers and pitchers right showing up before too long that's here. It. I mean, pretty much a couple of weeks after uh, after the Super Bowl that uh, that they're gonna be showing up in the uh, grapefruit and the cactus lake. That'll be all fun. right. Good I'm, on you. Yeah, yeah I'm ready. On it. Oh, yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's go. Yeah, let's uh, well, Super Bowl first. All right, because Correct. that's uh, that that that's fun, uh, and I, I I won't mention their names. I just want to see if I'm I'm, I'm going to show up in the in the popular ethos, right, right. just without mentioning their names uh, on that. But you know, it's going to be fun. All right, so I appreciate so much you hanging with us here on Dollars and Cents, presented by North Main Financial. We're still into what's hot, and, and and yes, I can mention their name. You already know who their names are. You don't need me to say. I'm gonna I'm gonna withhold from saying their names intentionally. Uh, here on dollars and cents. The strength. I, I mean, do you see it? Do you see, do, do, do you see the resistance? Right. Bless. All right, here we go. Into what's hot. Uh, we're continuing on here. 
I'm going to bring up some. It's a little bit crazy. I mean, we're always talking about food. And I love food. I mean, especially, I mean, here at WSIC, we, we, we do love food. And if you don't believe me, listen to Good Morning LKN, 7 to 9, Monday to Friday. I mean, we're talking about food all the time. Justin, Mamie, Bill. I mean, it's, I mean, we do. We love to eat. It's good stuff. They had Brooklyn South on here. They had the dive bar on this morning, uh, dive bar L, uh, in, in Cornelius. Yes. I mean, we got we got a Cornelius location here now yes. with dive bar. Good stuff. So, Absolutely. So make sure you tune in if you're uh, interested in all things food and beyond when it comes to Good Morning LKN here at 79, Monday to Friday here on WSIC. All right. So I'm, I'm going to bring up what, what, what may be the most interesting job description that I've seen here in the past week. This is, yeah, this is economic and financial. Hold on to what I'm talking about here. Uh, the most interesting job description that I've seen here in the past week, producer Bill, tell me if you agree, uh, here in the, uh, the, uh, the rubric or the, the name, the nomenclature for this particular position, Robot Wrangler. Now I'll admit I haven't I haven't seen this one previously. Now I and maybe it's I, I should I should assume that these kinds of things are out there. Robot wranglers and these most often are folks who are uh, hired by, retained by, working at more warehouse facility kinds of things. And these are specifically these are humans. So these are humans, all right, like you and me listening to this program. There might be some robots listening, but I'm talking to the humans who are listening to this program and, uh, and who are managing robots which need attention. So periodically, now, producer Bill, you probably know this a lot better than I do. Periodically, our robots who are helping us out, especially in warehouse kind of scenarios, they're, they're, they're grabbing things, right, delivering things. Sure. They, they sometimes get off kilter. I mean, they don't, they don't, they don't behave like they should to. Right. I mean, that so, makes sense. I mean, so, so sometimes we need a wrangler who is called in to be able to... What a gig. I mean, how, how this about... This is a the, sentence I didn't think I would hear today. You see, I mean, we're, we're always trying to keep <laughs> yeah. it real here on Dollars <laughs> and Cents. I mean, you just never know what's, uh, what's going to be coming over the airwaves here. But, uh, but these wranglers come in and, uh, and, and they do whatever it is that they do. And, and I'm not going to pretend to know what they do because I think some of it is probably pro, uh, programmatic. They're, they're going to come in and maybe press some buttons and, and make sure. I mean, maybe they just pick that thing up, throw it over his shoulder and put it back where it belongs. Right. John Wayne. I mean, I, right. well, I mean, that's the picture I have in my mind. Any, <laughs> that's any, the only way to wrangle uh, one. <laughs> <laughs> and those of you who don't know John Wayne, Google it. Uh, because uh, John, John Wayne, one of the best wranglers, they may be the best of all time. But, uh, but robot wranglers. So, I mean, if robots get out of line here and, uh, uh, and, and they need to be put back in place, you can be one who actually puts that, uh, that robot back in place. I'm going to have to look into that. It's a, it's a, it sounds like a pretty interesting profession. Right. There, there, there are probably somebody out there who's a robot wrangler going, it's not all that glamorous. I don't know why you're talking about it here, but I thought it was kind of interesting. I, I just feel like he's it's, on a horse just I mean, with his lasso. Going, going, going around a warehouse, right? right. I mean, I mean, and, and aisles. Scoop, scooping that thing up and, uh, and putting them, <laughs> put, putting them back where it belongs. So very interesting. All right. We're going to pivot a little bit here. Commercial real estate. You hear me talk about this. Uh, you've heard me talk about this actually quite a bit here over the last couple of weeks. And, uh, don't want to sound the alarm. We're just seeing more data. And, uh, and, and I say that not, not because we want to uh, be un unnaturally dismissive of anything that we're receiving across the radar screen, but, but we're seeing more data points when it comes to commercial real estate. And when I talk commercial real estate, I'm talking about class A high tower office space. So let's, let's, let's think more urban areas, those kinds of spaces, which are the more traditional, uh, greater than four floors. I think that's the official uh, diagnosis, no, excuse me, the, the, the official designation 
recession when it comes to commercial real estate that's considered to be high rise above four floors. In looking in our more urban areas, we're, we're, we continue to see some slowing especially at the high end end of things, meaning th those uh, places which have uh, been more the premier is certainly in terms of the cost element, and I'm sure in terms of the benefit aspect of things as well, but certainly uh, from a cost element, looking at those things that at the higher end of, uh, of Class A office space in our high towers here, in our more urban areas, uh, you know, we, we, we see, we've, well, let me talk about what we have seen to this point. Some of the slowest in terms of new builds here over the last year, uh, new builds uh, over the last decade and slowing down, and that's a big deal. Meaning if there are those who are speculating when it comes to that kind of thing, if there are those who are building, there are those who are in high tower construction, in terms of the total number of square feet that we see new, uh, here in 2023 is one of the slowest years we've seen here in over a decade. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean anything in and of itself. So I don't want to get too carried away on that singular data point. But when we're also looking at the, the lease renewals on current high-end Class A office space being at the slowest point over a decade, well, then we start to line up some data points. Again, not sounding the alarm, not not a space where we're saying that oh my gosh, you know the the commercial real estate space is uh, is is going to be in a miserable place. No, not saying that at all. Because counter to that, I know this is how data works. Uh, counter to that, we're seeing some of the strongest retail space, meaning the the strongest numbers in retail space since pre-COVID, meaning over the last several years. So those kinds of spaces which have, uh, let's call them more consumer retail, uh, clothier kind of space, spa, nail salon, those kinds of uh, spaces, that, that actually when you look across the country is at some of its best points uh, overall. Not, that say, not saying that every space is that way, but those points overall are doing uh, some of their best numbers since uh, before COVID. So when we're looking at that on that side of things, on the retail side of things, then we're looking at more traditional class A office space. It is, it's it's a mess of data at this point. That's why I'm saying we're not raising the alarm. We're not saying like, oh my gosh, all commercial, you know, all commercial retail space or all commercial uh, kinds of real estate is, is in a conundrum. No, we're not saying that at all. But it is important especially when we're looking at the more traditional class A office space, to look at it and recognize why that may be the case. And so why is that the case? There's no, there's no single data point. There never is. There's, there's never one, uh, traditionally one space to look to say, okay, that's the reason why all of this, when you talk about millions of square feet of office space are moving in the ways that they are. But let's put a couple of data points next to it. Hybrid working. So the two, three work week. I mean, there are still thousands, tens of thousands of folks who were working five days in the office who are now working two or three. So they're doing the two, three or the three, two relative to being in the office. That's less demand. That's less need for that uh, more traditional kind of class A office space, especially in our more urban centers. And that's what we're seeing. So that's that's that that lessening of demand. Again, if you're the one who uh, is is writing the lease, if you're the one who's on the hook for that kind of lease and saying, well, okay, well, we only need 40 to 60% of what we needed previously, of course you're going to want to renegotiate. Of course you're not going to want to be as intentional about locking up the same number of square feet. And it may be that. It may be that you had, let's call it 100,000 square feet. Now you're saying, well, we just want 60,000 square feet. And you're looking at that saying, well, those are huge numbers either way. I understand that. But if you're the one who owns the building, you just lost 40% on a lease. So that's a very big deal. And that's why we're watching those kinds of things. We're looking at it in terms of what it will mean in terms of the valuation aspect of those buildings, 
because there's a trickle down. It's not direct. It's not one to one. It's certainly not binary, but it's the kind of thing that we're watching very closely because real estate overall, very large portion of our economy. When we're looking at it from a commercial standpoint, obviously, especially in our urban areas, very large portion of the economic impact for those kinds of areas. And you could talk, you could talk commercial real estate taxes. You can talk about income taxes relative to the folks who are earning income in those kinds of spaces. Very, very large deal. So we're bringing that to you. Watch it. We're not again raising the alarm. This is this is not something where we're we're running for the hills in any way. But certainly wanting to keep that kind of item in mind. And again, a counterbalance to it is we're looking at the retail side of things. Very optimistic. I mean, we're looking at renewal rates on the retail side of things, which is uh, which is very interesting to see because those tend to be a little bit more let's call them fluid in terms of their movement and their renewal possibilities. Sometimes they're strong, sometimes they're weak, but we're seeing them very strong right now. So it's very interesting to see those kinds of things and to see the dichotomy between the two. Because when, when we're looking at it, all, all of us want to be able to see a clear direction, right? We want to see through the cloud, the proverbial clouds. We want to see through them. We want to be able to understand exactly where we're going. None of us ever know that. So when we're looking at these kinds of things, we try to line up as many data points as we can, trying to understand economically where we're going so that we can make the best and most informed decisions that are out there. And that's that's what we're trying to do here. So I appreciate you hanging with us here on Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm going to take a deep breath for the first time in, I don't know, about 35 minutes or so as we hear from our sponsors. Appreciate you hearing with us here on WSIC. more of dollars and cents with certified financial planner joshua doby following these brief messages on 1059 100.7 wsic now more of dollars and cents with certified financial planner joshua doby on 1059 100.7 wsic hello and welcome back to the second half of this week's version of dollars and cents Presented by North Main Financial, I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for hanging with us. Second half of today's show. We're still talking about what's hot. There's a lot out there. My gosh, there's a lot out there right now. I haven't even talked about the Federal Reserve yet. I know that may not be high on your radar screen. It's high on my radar screen. It's a big deal. It may not be something that's pertinent to what's happening at your dinner table, but I promise you it that what the Federal Reserve does is literally impacting what's happening to you on a day-to-day basis. So I have to talk about it. They were out yesterday talking about their, their most recent decision, and their decision was we're not going to do anything right now, which was largely expected. We didn't expect that there was going to be any change to the overnight lending rate, especially relative to the kinds of Rates that are adjusted to affect our lending costs, borrowing costs, and also our interest rates relative to uh, deposit kinds of accounts, money market kinds of accounts, and things of the like. So there wasn't any change there. That was largely expected. But they did give an indication, which is different than it was here just about two or three months ago, that we probably aren't going to do a whole lot here before the end of the second quarter of this year. Now, again, when, when it was talked about and the futures market was kind of going paywire in my end of the world in, uh, in thinking that something was going to happen here in the first quarter of this year, we, we didn't think that. You heard me say that. I, I, it's not that I'm trying to second guess the Federal Reserve. I'm not. But, uh, but it was, let's call it early to, uh, to be able to say that kind of thing uh, relative to adjusting interest rates. Uh, we, we get, you got to get six months. You got to get nine months into the end of a raising cycle before legitimately, A, you can understand what's happening. And then B, if you're going to make an informed decision about which way you should go. 
And so the, that that really is what came out from uh, Fed uh, the, the um, uh, Fed Board of Governors Chair Jay Powell uh, in terms of his speech, and certainly with regards to what was said from the uh, the meeting yesterday. So we're watching that. We always do, but we certainly don't see any rate changes here over the course of the next couple, maybe even several months, and perhaps even until the end of this year. And that's that's a little bit subjective. That's my commentary on it. But uh, but we're not seeing that at least at this point, where we're seeing that interest rates are going to change. And if they do, they're going to change very, very modestly at this point. We've made a huge amount of change in the last two years. Huge. You look at it on a historical uh, standpoint, I mean, we've never moved this much this fast. Ever, ever in our history, we've never moved this much this fast in terms of interest rates. So to expect that we're going to regress or pull back to the space where we were, I think would be unnatural. Because we were trying to catch up. Frankly, we were making up for lost time. Time when we should have been making adjustments to the interest rates. We didn't. That's my commentary to it. You can agree, disagree, but we didn't. And so we were making up for lost time. And that's why we moved so much so fast. But now we're here. So I don't expect that we're going to be regressing or pulling back on those rates unnaturally fast as well. So that's something to keep in mind, especially if you have an expectation looking at car loans, mortgage rates, all those kinds of, we're talking with folks every day. I talked with someone here earlier today and talking about uh, setting up a possibility for a purchase on the real estate end of things. And we were talking about it and where we expect rates to be. And I'm going to, I'm going to give you, you know, you're saying, okay, where well, rates are going to be. I don't know. Nobody does. Nobody ever does. When we're looking at this kind of thing, we make the best, let's call it informed decisions that we can with regards to interest rates, but we don't know where things are going to be. And if, you know, sp spaces are a little bit higher right now, maybe we're at the peak in terms of rates with regards to all things mortgages and all things um, uh, notes related that are secured by real estate. Are we at the top end of things? Probably. It looks like it. I don't expect that we're going to be raising rates at, in this part of the cycle much more beyond where we are right now. But when are they going to drop? I don't know. Nobody does. Nobody does. There, there's no way to legitimately look at that. I mean, if you're like me and you're a little bit maniacal and you don't sleep very much and you watch really weird points of data at really strange hours of the night, I hope you don't. That's, that means you're a little bit weird like me. But if you do, you're watching those kinds of things. The futures market in the fourth quarter of last year was almost completely betting. And I mean betting, and I mean completely, uh, that there was going to be an adjustment to the overnight lending rate, i.e. all interest rates here in the first quarter of this year. Well, that would be a first. That would be something that would be completely out of line with anything that the Federal Reserve has ever done in its history. But there was a 97, I think it was, I think 97 was the peak point on the futures market, expecting that there was going to be an adjustment to interest rates here in the first quarter. Come on, guys. I mean, I, I know there are a whole bunch of you out there that have not experienced an interest rate cycle because you don't have nearly as much gray hair as I do. But come on, that's not how it works. You know this. Let, let's look a little bit of history. Just, just take a little bit of a gander at what has gone before us here. That's not how the system, that's not how the machine works. So we're going to need to get six months. We're going to need to get nine months into it. I know. I blame everything on the microwave. I do. Producer Bill, I do. I mean, it, it was, you know, when it, when it took 30 to 40 minutes to make dinner that night, we had a certain expectation. Now when the microwave came in, 30 to 40 seconds. I don't like it. It's slippery slope. I mean, it is because we all, all of a sudden we just think, and I'm also going to blame Staples, the, sure. the, the office supply company. You know what I'm talking about. Easy button. 
Was that was that Staples was the easy button, right? Correct. Okay, so the, the that red easy button, you just press it and everything happens uh, immediately. I'm 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 blaming both of them, blaming the microwave, right. Blaming Staples for the easy button, and and that's why we think everything happens right away. I'm I'm with you on that. Okay, so I, I'm not out of kilter. Here, no, right? no, 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 no. You're and, on point. And you may or may not be in the same age demographic that I am by uh, by a country mile, <laughs> but uh, but there's we do though we do economically we we do in terms of of the financial experience. We expect things to happen instantly or overnight. And yes, there are a whole bunch of things that do. There's no doubt about it. We we do live in much more of a 24-7, 365 culture. I get it. I'm not, I'm not oblivious to that kind of thing. But there are certain things, especially in a $28 trillion economy, that, uh, that just don't move that fast. You just can't. Uh, there just isn't enough space to be able to move that fast that quickly. And, and so when we're looking at interest rates, we need to be able to understand that there's a, it's not going to happen overnight. So let's look second quarter. Let's look third quarter. Let's keep that in mind. All right, we're going to pivot. We're going to golf. All right. Uh, yeah, we're, yeah, we're going to golf. Absolutely, we are. I mean, I, I like golf. You may like golf. You may not like golf. We're still going to golf here. PGA Tour investors. Now, producer Bill, you may or may not have seen this. This was a surprise. Well. Yeah, it was a surprise to me. So there's been a lot of, let's call it controversy on the PGA Tour here over the last year, especially with the uh, the introduction and, and certainly the recruitment of PGA Tour professionals from the PGA Tour to LIV, to live uh, golf. And and some of the biggest names, up to and including John Rahm, yes. he, here in the fourth quarter of last year, uh, John Rahm agreeing to to jump over to live. I mean, John Rahm, arguably best golfer of our generation, certainly a top three or five. I mean, he's he's right at the top of the heap there. Indeed. Making the jump over. And there's been a lot of talk about, you know, the PGA Tour. There's been a lot of talk about live. I mean, at, at one point, they were suing each other. Then at one point, they're getting together. I mean, it's... It's it's kind of interesting. Now I got new news. I mean, you you probably heard this. I, I saw this come across my, on my radar screen. Now the PGA Tour is taking on investors. So not not not, not me, not you. Not me. As <laughs> as much as I would like for you and for me and maybe the Chief Justin because he's an investor kind of guy as well. Uh, getting getting into it. No, not not us. But uh, some some heavy hitters. So a three okay. a three billion dollar investment. John Henry. John Henry is probably best known as the owner of the Fenway Group, and uh, they own the Boston Red Sox. Uh, they own a couple of uh, Premier League yes. um, soccer yeah. teams as well. I mean, big stuff, big stuff. Stephen Cohen, uh, who was big on the uh, private equity side of things, owns the New York Mets. The Mets, yeah. Right? Now, Arthur Blank, uh, okay. co-founder of uh, Home Depot, but most well-known as the owner of the Atlanta Falcons. Doesn't the, he own half of Montana as he well? He probably does. <laughs> I mean, he, he might, he might that, that might not be hyperbole. That might actually... No, yeah. be, that, no, I mean, literally, like he might own half of Montana. So anyhow, big, big numbers here. $3 billion into the PGA Tour. Now, mm-hmm. I, find that, I find that interesting because I thought after the, we're going to sue each other, now we're going to get together, I thought PGA Tour and Liv were, were, were kind of join up. I, I don't know. Right. Is, is that legitimate? I don't know. Yeah, I kind of lost that in the, uh, I guess, in a news cycle. Um, I, yeah. But yeah, last I heard, I thought we were all kumbaya and it was PGA Liv. Everybody's happy. Which, which <laughs> I mean, I, I, whatever that means, right? right because right. Th- there was the there was there's the conundrum, or at least I'll call it a conundrum. There's the conundrum of those PGA Tour players who left the PGA Tour to sure. go to live took huge payouts. Correct. And I'm not talking about you know a hundred dollar tip uh, going going to the bar. I'm I mean we're talking about 
hundreds of millions, tens Buku. of millions, yeah, hundreds Buku of millions of dollars yeah. uh, going to the. What about the ones who said, no, I'm going to stay with the PGA Tour. Now right. we're now we're all getting together again, and you just got a hundred million, and I'm and I'm on this side of that, and we're all playing the same torque. I don't know. It's it seems a little bit convoluted yeah. at uh, at this point. I mean, it, it seems like when, when you're putting it all of it all of it together, and so then I'm looking at at guys like Henry and Cohen and Blank who are all investing in it, and these are smart these are smart folks. They, they, sure. they, these are not folks who are throwing money around because they got nothing else to do. So if you're putting up billions with a B, well then what's going on? So is is there is there some kind of joining that's out there? Is there some kind of revenue share? There, I mean, I don't know. Right. I'm gonna definitely keep my eye on it because I mean, those those guys are heavy hitters. They are, and, and so and this stuff, and yeah. it is whale. Wait, yes, definitely whales. So when I look at that kind of thing, and I'm looking at uh, the PGA Tour, I'm saying, okay, that that's a change in structure because that's not historically how it's been done. Uh, and uh, and certainly there's there's a lot of fluidity. There's a lot that we don't know. Uh, but but just in terms of those names being thrown around and the experience of the PGA Tour, what does that mean in terms of the structure of the tour? What does that mean in terms of the of the, of the revenue share uh, on the tour? Television contracts, I mean, they're huge. They're huge on uh, on that kind of thing. Which, by the way, just sidebar, uh, just in case you didn't know, the PGA PGA Tour, from a tour perspective, basically owns everything except the four majors. Did you know that? I mean, it's kind of interesting. I mean, they, they basically own everything except the big four. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. just just kind of interesting that uh, that they. But but again, so much revenue, so much going on with everything that's not in the sure. majors that uh, that there's there's uh, there's a lot of revenue to be made, and uh, and that's that's one of the reasons why. Even with these uh, these players who have gone to play on the live tour, they can come back and play in the majors because. PGA, Correct. Tour, PGA yeah. tour doesn't own them. So very, very interesting when you're looking at that kind of thing. So we're going to be watching it. That's big economic impact, big dollars moving around uh, the machine there when you're looking at, you know, what that means for us economically, because obviously they, they anticipate these folks who are making those kinds of investments, billions with a B, that there's going to be some kind of significant ROI. Otherwise, they're not going to be putting their dollars in that particular direction. Maybe there's something we don't know. Maybe it's like the folks who are paying billions more for uh, for these NFL franchises. I, I don't I don't know. Every time I think somebody pays too much for it, somebody pays more and they make more money. I, obviously, I'm I'm not the right person for the job. All right, folks, I appreciate so much hanging with us here on Dollars and Cents, presented by North Main Financial. We're going to take a break. Be back soon here on WSIC. More of Dollars and Cents with Certified Financial Planner Joshua Doby is coming up on 105.9 100.7 WSIC. Making your money make sense. Dollars and Cents with CFB Joshua Doby on 105.9 100.7 WSIC. Hello and welcome back to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby, thank you so much for hanging with us. Fourth quarter, you're almost there. 11 minutes, 56 seconds. Or not, not 11. Yeah, 11 minutes. 56. Yeah, I was right. We're almost there. If you're a nine to fiver, you got to sprint to it. I appreciate so much, though. You keeping us on the horn here as we're making our way towards uh, towards the end of things. I got ex- I got so excited talking about the uh, the PGA Tour there, which I think is kind of fun. If you're even if you're not a golf guy, I mean, how can you not like that kind of stuff? I mean, seriously, is there any better way to take a nap on a Sunday afternoon in the summertime uh, with 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 Jim Nance in your ear and talking about all right as they approach the 16th green? 
And he's approaching a shot, and he, I mean, seriously, I mean, it's the kind of thing that can literally, lure, at least it does for me, yeah, maybe not for you. All right, well, I don't think a, a version of dollars and cents would be complete if we didn't talk about food. Now, I know the Good Morning LKN crew has uh, has met what's called a little bit of a corner market on, on talking about food, and, and that's okay. Yeah, I, I don't I don't mind that at all um, because I will uh, I will elbow my way in there because I think I found one here that uh, that was not a part of the most recent discussion. Producer Bill, stay with me on this here. I mean, don't 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 leave me uh, on this kind of thing here because it is, it is uh, the Super Bowl season. So I'm looking at Super Bowl style food for uh, for for this next week. I mean, you got to prepare. Right? Indeed. I mean, we we this is not the kind of thing that just comes up haphazardly. I mean, Correct. we we got to be ready for, yes. for, for for this coming week. So, in thinking about that kind of thing, I'm looking at Cheetos. I right? like that. I mean, che- Cheetos, crunchy chips, right? I mean, all, all flavors and varieties. They have come out with one that uh, that that I think is is very appropriate. Now, now you've heard me on here on dollars and cents. I may or may not have expressed my. Uh, undying love for fried chicken wings. I, I think I've said that, I, I am, and I will certainly embrace that. Uh, if somebody uh, would stop me here after the show and say, "Is that true?" Uh, I would absolutely admit to it. So I'm, I'm <laughs> going to, I'm going to admit a very high level uh, of of affinity for fried chicken wings. Uh, this, well, Cheetos though, crunchy, uh, crunchy chip related kinds of things, crunchy buffalo flavor in Cheetos. Mm. Now again, I, I just have this vision, and uh, and I'm a very simple person. So when I, I I have this vision though of crunchy buffalo style Cheetos in one bowl, I have a ranch dip in uh, in, in the other bowl, and I have a beverage of some kind. And, and uh, see, I mean it is. I mean it's dreamlike. It is. It, it, when, well, I mean that 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 you might a pretty picture. That might be it. I mean, we, we, there might not be anything more to say. We might have to close the show right now, <laughs> right? Uh, right. <laughs> but they're coming out with it, and they're coming out with it specifically for for the Super Bowl season. Crunchy buffalo uh, flavor Cheetos. Good on them. Yeah, I mean, I'm with good, it. good, good for them. I guess it would have been better if the Bills made it, right? I mean, so I mean that yes. if 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 there would have been some kind of connectivity point. Uh, right. For uh, for all things Buffalo related, mm. uh, but uh, but I'll still take it. I mean, I I I, I may or may not be looking. You'll see this whole board orange. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, from from the sticky fingers. Right, yeah, yeah, the sticky fingers. Yeah, I'm completely on board with that. So so I felt like I had I had to include that in uh, in the mix of things here. All right, so we had to include that Cheetos. Not an endorsement to buy, sell, or hold anything that has to do with Cheetos. They're private private companies, so you don't have to worry about them being public. But it is uh, something important to keep in mind. All right, what to know? I I want to get to this, and I know it's in the fourth quarter here. I'm going to get to the market, I promise you. But I want to get to what to know here because this is especially important as we're getting into tax season. And uh, whether you like it or not, nobody likes it. Nobody likes paying taxes, but a lot of things are on our minds here with regards to the tax season element of things. I want to talk about Roth IRAs, Roth, R-O-T-H, IRAs. And I want to talk about them not because they're appropriate for everybody, not even that everybody should consider them, but because they're out there, you probably have heard uh, about them. They've been around for about 20 years now uh, relative to their their possibility for an investment. So what are Roth IRAs? I mean, if you're looking at them and uh, and saying, is this appropriate for me? Is it not appropriate for me? Again, this is not for me to tell you that they either are or are not appropriate, but what are they? 
What are Roth IRAs? Well, generally speaking, Roth IRAs are IRA accounts or individual retirement accounts, IRA, the acronym, individual retirement accounts, where you place money into an investment or a savings account inside of it under the Roth IRA registration or Roth IRA umbrella, and you don't get a tax benefit up front, meaning you can't write it off on your taxes, whatever you put into them, you cannot write that off on your taxes. However, there is the possibility when you follow certain guidelines, there is the possibility that as those funds accumulate inside of the Roth IRA, so long as you have that account open for at least five years, that there is a possibility that in retirement, you can withdraw from that IRA, including all of the earnings, tax-free. Let me say that again. So no tax benefit for what you place into a Roth IRA. However, if you have it open for longer than five years, there is a possibility if you line up with certain guidelines that you can withdraw not only what you placed into it, but also the earnings from a Roth IRA tax-free. That's the benefit. Now, you may be very familiar with a traditional IRA, which allows for some level, if you qualify, for some level of tax benefit up front, but when you withdraw from it in retirement, it becomes taxable to you then, meaning there's a taxable income event when you withdraw from it in retirement. So it's a little bit of the reverse of that, right? So with a, with a traditional IRA, you get some tax benefit up front, but you pay tax on the back end. Roth IRA, a little bit of 180 degrees in reverse, you get no tax benefit upfront, but if you follow certain guidelines, you may be able to withdraw from it in retirement tax-free. So is it appropriate for you? No way to, for me to tell you that. There's no legitimate way for me to tell you that here on the air, but it is something about which to be aware. So then sometimes folks say, well, what are the limits with regards to what I can place into it? They change, not year by year, but they change usually every year or two or three. And, uh, and for 2023, which by the way, you can still make a 2023 contribution into a Roth IRA if you qualify from an income limit standpoint, meaning the amount of income that you've earned here in the past year, you can contribute actually up until April 15th, up to 6,500, or if you're over the age of 50, 7,500 for the year of 2023. So let me say that again, if you are eligible from an income limitation standpoint, meaning that you have earned a certain amount of income or less, you are able to contribute to a Roth IRA up until April 15th of this year for last year. That's something that not everybody knows, important idea to keep in mind when you're looking at the possibility of contributing for last year. And then of course, you can contribute for 2024 as well, but you can also contribute can contribute for 2024 up until April 15 of 2025. So that's very important to keep in mind. This year, the limit is a little bit higher. So instead of 6,500, it's 7,000. So instead of 6,500, 6, it's 7,000. If you are above the age of 50, instead of 7,500, it's now 8,000 in terms of the amount that you can contribute to it. And it is the lesser of the amount that you have earned in terms of income or that limit. So that if you have earned $3,000 this year and or last year, and you want to contribute to your Roth IRA, you can only contribute up to $3,000. If you have earned $25,000 this past year or this year, you can only contribute up to either $6,500 or $7,000 or $7,000 or $8,000, depending upon your age. So that's the top end, even though you earn $25,000. So there are caps on it. 
But if you have earned less than the the total allowable amount, 6,500, 7,000, 7,000, or 8,000 in terms of the actual limits, then you can only contribute up to that amount. So a little bit of moving target there when you're talking about the amounts to which you, uh, the amounts that you can contribute to those kinds of accounts. But the short on it is you can place money into it if you qualify income-wise. You can place money into it. You don't receive a tax benefit up front. However, the growth and the money that you contributed into it can come out tax-free in retirement so long as you've had the account open for five years. So something big to keep in mind when it comes to Roth IRAs. It's, it's a big concept. And there are Roth conversions and there are all kinds of Roth 401ks, Roth so, solo 401ks. I know, I don't have enough time to talk about them here on dollars and cents in terms of all the different variations of things that you can utilize for that. But it's important to be aware that those kinds of things are out there so that if you bump into them, and certainly if they're the kinds of things that are appropriate for your financial space, make sure, reach out to your tax advisor, reach out to your financial advisor, give us a buzz at northmainfinancial.com. We can certainly respond to you and let you know about whether it may be appropriate for you. All right, markets. I know a couple of minutes. All you folks have been waiting this whole hour for me to talk on the markets. I apologize. We're gonna we're gonna squeeze it in in the back end of this week's version of dollars and cents. Uh, very interesting. It really is very, very interesting in the markets here. We're treading water a little bit right now. So uh, that kind of experience, not unexpected. I thought we'd be doing that earlier. I mean, here we are in February, one twelfth of the year done already, ready or not. Here we come uh, in terms of the passage of time. But, uh, but when we're looking at the market performance, I'll admit to some level of surprise that we haven't had a technical pullback at this point, meaning I would have expected that the market would have begun to let's say moderate, uh, at least relative to the mean, right? You hear me talk about this all the time. So last year, when you're looking at the most popular indices, we were significantly above the mean. I expected that we would begin to move closer to the mean here in 2024. We haven't yet. Doesn't mean we won't. Frankly, I think that we still will. If you're asking for my commentary, my subjective opinion on what I believe is yet ahead of us here, but we haven't had it to this point. And January was a lot rosier than I thought it would be. Now, th there is let's call it some projection expectation in the marketplace about the, what the Federal Reserve is going to do with interest rates. And I can say that, let's say with a higher degree of confidence, especially based upon how the market moved yesterday as the Federal Reserve was talking about what they may or may not do with interest rates for the balance of the year. And when the Federal Reserve Board Chair Jay Powell said, well, let's say he didn't say, that they were going to reduce rates immediately, that there was there was a definite pullback in the marketplace. And so it's kind of interesting to watch that kind of thing because the market definitely wants that. And that's the kind of thing that they have on the radar screen. So we're watching it. In terms of what we see go forward, tread lightly. Look at those uh, items where you've had big gains. Make sure you're doing rebalancing. Very, very important. You don't want to get unnaturally concentrated in positions just because they've done well. I know it's it's tempting. You want to do it. You want to keep going with those things which have done well for you. And that may or may not be appropriate, but it may also be appropriate to rebalance as well. So that's very, very important to keep in mind. Well, friends, uh, always, it is good to be with you here on, uh, on Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I appreciate so much you giving attention to these important topics that we're talking about here and, and we're looking at economically and financially, making sure that you're making decisions, but you're doing it for the right reasons. Hang with us next week as we come back on Thursdays at 4 p.m. here on WSIC and Dollars and Cents. The new 105.9, 100.7 WSIC, Statesville, W290DK, Mooresville, Lake Norman, North Charlotte.